Hey, what's up, everybody, and welcome back to That Triathlon Show, the podcast presented by scientifictriathlon.com. I'm your host, Michael, and this episode is Q&A number 55. And this episode will be a little bit late because uh, for once I wasn't able to pre-record the episode well ahead of schedule and I'm actually recording this on Thursday morning the day when it should already have gone out early on in the morning because I've been sick and lost my voice completely and you can probably hear that I'm still recovering a bit from that so my voice isn't uh, exactly back to normal but it's uh, good enough I think that I will give this podcasting thing an attempt again and hopefully I can get this episode out and uh, my voice will remain intact throughout we will see about that but uh, we have a couple of great questions today so I do want to do my best to get them out on Thursday as usual even though it will be a few hours later than you're used to. Before we get to the questions, a big thanks to our sponsors, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. Precision Hydration are experts in hydration, electrolytes, and how electrolytes should be used in especially long, hot, and humid races, like, for example, Kona coming up just this Saturday. That will be exciting to see. Hydration and nutrition is, of course, a key part of long-distance triathlon. And when the climate is hot, hot and humid, even more so, those electrolytes that you get in with your hydration can be a key component. And we're talking specifically about sodium there. Precision Hydration has created a free online sweat test that consists of just a few simple questions that you answer. And they have validated that against real measured sweat test data with medical grade devices. So you can go and take that quiz and that will give you a very good estimate for how much sodium you lose in your sweat. And that will then give you a hydration strategy that you can use in racing. Check them out on precisionhydration.com and use the promo code DATTRAFLONSHOW, all on word, all caps, to get your first box or tube for free. And big thanks to Roka. Roka is, of course, one of uh, the main sponsors of the Ironman World Championships. The swim course is sponsored by Roka, and you will see a lot of athletes wear the Viper swim skins, Roka, Roka's premier swim skins that are really, really fast in the non-wetsuit uh, conditions in Hawaii for the World Championships. So check that out if you're watching on the live stream. In addition to swimskins, Roka are leaders in categories like wetsuits, trisuits, goggles, and eyewear in general. So you can check out all their products on roka.com. That's R-O-K-A.com. And get 20% off your order with the promo code TTS, all caps. So let's get into the first question for today. And uh, this one is from uh, Jim, I believe. Yes, Jim. Uh, Jim writes, Hi, Michael. What should I do in the base phase to improve my running speed? I would like to get my 5K time under 20 minutes. So that's 4 minutes per kilometer or 6.26 per mile. And be able to run sprint triathlon run legs at 7 minutes per mile or 4 minutes 21 seconds per kilometer. In the base phase, should I be doing form running and plyometrics type of workouts to improve strength and economy or threshold or short sprints, strides during running workouts? For some background on my sub 20 minute 5k, in my mid 20s, I ran mid 18s for the 5k and 24 minutes for four miles. For about 20 years, I focused on cycling, running in the winter only for the first 10 years and no running the second 10 years. For the last five years, I have been competing in triathlon. 
My four, four mile races are now 28 minutes and 5k this year was 20.38. So uh, Jim has 38 seconds to go. I generally have 8 to 10 hours per week to train and target three workouts per week in each discipline. To improve my running, I would guess I need to run four times per week, maybe training some cycling, but I would like to know where to focus those running sessions. All right, thanks for your question. Jim, first, I think that if you do achieve that 20-minute 5K, then your goal for the sprint uh, distance leg 5K should be a bit faster because what you said there with 7-minute miles, that is a 21.45 sprint distance 5K. And a good rule of thumb is that uh, your sprint triathlon run leg should be at a pace that you can run your open 10K run pace. And uh, based on, for example, if you plug in your 5K run pace and assume that you have run a 20-minute 5K into something like the Macmillan running calculator, you can see that a 20-minute 5K corresponds to a 6.41 pace per mile or four ten per kilometer for the 10K. And uh, that 10K would then be 40, 41 and a half minutes. Another rule of thumb that you might see is that for a sprint distance triathlon, uh, add one minute to your open 5K time so that would be 21 minutes so either way i think that uh, 2145 is on the on the high side and if you manage to run 20 minutes then you should target low 21s for sure or right around 21 so so that's uh, to answer your question about the sprint try run legs uh, specifically so or not you didn't have a question about that but i think that if you do achieve your 5k target of 20 minutes then your sprint triathlon run target should be a bit faster than you actually said it at. And actually, the second question for today is about reducing the gap between open running times and triathlon run times. So I'll tackle this part in a little bit. But as for the rest of your question, I think that it's... uh, uh, I don't think it's completely applicable to just the base phase, to be honest, because if you're targeting something like a a PR, then... uh, then I, I don't think that, sure, you can do PRs in the base phase, but but I don't think that's something that you should necessarily target. And if you want to hear more and hear about what I recommend for the base phase, listen to episode 201 that we just recently published with uh, James and Lockie and myself. And one of the main things that we kept coming back to is that now in the base phase is not the time to try to be in peak fitness or set pbs if it happens organically uh, fantastic but it's not the time that you're really trying to focus on on uh, being your fastest ever or strongest ever or whatever it may be that being said what the kind of run training that i do like to include in the base phase this is not focused on getting you into peak 5k uh, shape Uh, it is focused on improving your neuromuscular system and your movement quality and uh, building up your aerobic base but i do like to include quite a bit of strides and hill sprints and also some fart leg style sessions to maintain your vo2 max but without specific pace targets so for example a good sort of maintenance vo2 max fart leg would be something like 10 times one minute fast two minutes easy and it can be on rolling terrain or something like that you can play around with the terrain and uh, for example run to the clearing in the forest or whatever it may be so uh, not something that you go to the track and try to hit specific paces but just running fast alternating fast and easy running in a fart leg style so so that those would also feature but uh, but the neuromuscular and movement quality type of training that i really like is are those strides and the hill sprints as well 
uh, strength training and uh, in the base phase especially in the beginning of the base phase it's not all about heavy weights uh, or mostly not about so heavy weights actually it's a lot about just doing various exercises some maybe body weight and home-based strength training but just focusing on on really great form really great functional quality and uh, and teaching the nervous system to fire all the right muscle groups and uh, that will then help set you up for better running but it will also help set you up for better strength training later on a bit later on it doesn't necessarily take that long to get into starting to lift some more heavy weights so so that's one aspect of it plyometrics yes they can be great to add here i don't necessarily add them by default into the very early stages of base training but uh, i don't see any harm in doing that for sure not the thing is though that if you do when you start to do plyometrics i think that you need to do it throughout the season from that moment to maintain it because you lose the benefits of it otherwise so uh, so what i tend to do it's not something that i always do necessarily but what the the standard sort of template for including plyometrics is to start include it a bit later on so in the maybe later phases of base training is when we start to include plyometrics and then we keep them so we have some plyometrics on a weekly basis in the program to maintain all the benefits that you build up and then the other thing that i really think that now is a good time to do in the base training is to it start to incorporate the habit of doing a little pre-run mobility routine before each and every run and that will also help you set you up to run better and uh, in the long run when you get to the more challenging types of workouts then this will hopefully have allowed you to uh, to unlock maybe some tightness you have or or just uh, just make that speed come a little bit easier to you so this all uh, will set you up for long-term season over season improvements in the run if you haven't been training with any structure before, it, it's absolutely possible to set some 5k PBs uh, during this, doing this type of training. Uh, I'm not saying that it's not, and there's nothing wrong with it if you do that, of course. Uh, but I know you write actually later in your email that you have been using one of my training plans. I think it was the 7.3. I'll get to that. Uh, it's uh, a bit further down my notes. Uh, but uh, So you have been training with structure. You've had a good structured plan. So for you... If you do this type of training right now, it probably won't lead to your peak run performances at this time. And that's not uh, what you should be striving for either. You should be striving for being in peak running form a bit later. So for now, I will go on to giving some general recommendations for what to do when you actually get to that more specific preparation part of the season. When you start to put in the challenging training to reach your peak run performances and when you really want to, uh, to do that best ever 5k or sprint travel and run so the first type of key workout that i would prescribe really is to do intervals at race pace and possibly slightly faster than race pace but not much faster so for you it might be intervals in the 610 to 626 pace range per mile or 350 to 4 minutes per kilometer and trying to progressively approach more and more race simulating workouts so for example, early on in this specific preparation phase, you might do 10 times 400 meters at that pace with 400 meter jog recoveries. Later on in the build, you might do 15 times 400 meters. So you're up to 6,000 meters total with 100 meter jog recoveries. That is a super challenging workout. And uh, it's not necessary to do that hard a workout 
to achieve your 5k goal you don't have to do that kind of workout at race pace it definitely should not be faster than race pace in that case when you get to those challenging workouts race pace is enough that early on if you feel really good and you end up pushing a bit faster in race pace that's totally fine when you get to those late build workouts then just sticking at race pace for the 5k especially is perfectly adequate but uh, the thing here is that the pace throughout this period stays more or less the same but the distance at race phase is what increases and the recoveries between intervals also decreases. So the workouts get more challenging, but you're not making them more challenging with, uh, with pace. You're making them more challenging with, with time at intensity and how much time you have to recover between bouts. The second key type of workout that I think you need is a strength building run. And uh, same sort of thing here. The idea is not to get faster and faster in this run, but to go longer and longer at the same, somewhat challenging pace. And the intensity level here is simply something like mid-zone free. Uh, so to give you an idea, it can, can be high zone free as well, uh, but to give you an idea, around 30 seconds per kilometer or 45 seconds per mile slower than 5k pace. So maybe around 7 minutes, 10 seconds per mile for you. And to start, you might uh, just do a 20-minute tempo run at that pace. And then as you progress through the specific preparation period, you progress this to 25 minutes, 30 minutes, 35 minutes, 40, 45. And if you get to 45, that's already really, really good. You could go even further, and uh, but you could also at that point start to break it up into intervals with short jog recoveries. So something like uh, 3 times 15 minutes with 3 to 5 minute jog recoveries. Ideally, to really squeeze every last percent of gain out of these tempo runs, I want them to, I want you to run them not on flat terrain, but to run on hills, undulating terrain, and just accumulate a lot of elevation gain. Uh, it can be even like doing them as uh, hill, if you are lucky enough to live in a very mountainous region where you have long sustained climbs, then you can do them as hill intervals. So do something like uh, a bread and butter workout that I prescribe to a lot of workouts is four times 12 minutes. Uh, uphill and then three minute jog recovery and uh, you might jog back down or you might keep jogging very slowly uphill if it's a really long sustained climb uh, the point here is that to just accumulate a lot of elevation gain and this is an incredible strength booster and i've seen athletes make fantastic improvements in run speed and really speed or like 5k race pace on a menu consisting of mostly low intensity running and these hilly tempo runs no intervals at all, no race pace, and these athletes still go out and smash their 5Ks. So actually, even if I talked about this workout second, I do think that it's the most important. It's more important than the race pace workout because it's what it builds your stamina, and the 5K is still, for, for a 20-minute 5K in particular, you need a lot of stamina to, to do that. But I guess the point isn't so much which one is better. Both are the best if you can combine them. And that doesn't mean that you have to do both of them every single week. Quite often I do something like doing three intense runs over a two-week period. And that might look like two tempo runs and one race pace run. That, that would be a totally fine setup. These hilly runs, you obviously won't be using pace, but you have to rely on either running power if you are using that, or otherwise a combination of just simply RPE and heart rate. The final thing in this specific preparation period or the final type of workout that I want to mention is we do want to keep that neuromuscular efficiency that we've developed over the winter and the base phase. So I suggest incorporating strides and or hill sprints weekly. And you can do that as part of the warm-up for these other workouts or even just incorporate them in some of your long-intensity runs. 
for how to structure your, your run training on three to four runs per week, I would suggest that, as I said, over a two week period, try to get in three quality runs. If you are, and this is if you are focusing on the run in particular. If you are focusing on a more balanced approach, a complete triathlon approach, I might go as low as two quality runs, at least if you are only running three times per week. But uh, if you're running, even if you're running just three times per week, if your focus is more on the run for this particular moment, then I would suggest doing three quality runs over a two-week period. And two of those would be tempo runs, and one would be that race pace or slightly faster than race pace run. So it could look like Tuesday, go to the track and do race pace intervals and incorporate strides in the warm-up and maybe plyometrics after the workout. Thursday, easy run. And Sunday, a longer run with a tempo segment and do hill sprints in the warm-up to that run. Next Tuesday, you would do an easy run with plyometrics after again. The first day would also be an easy run, and Sunday would be another long run with a tempo segment and hill sprints in the warm-up. And if you do include the, a fourth run per week, then mostly that will be just an easy run as well. And it will definitely help you improve if you add that fourth run, absolutely, because volume is hugely important. Uh, but you may still be able to get your sub 20 without it, I think, because you are quite close. So just getting a specific structure and a bit more focus on the run, I think could be enough to, to help you get those last 38 seconds. So, uh, although it will help you for sure to, to do that fourth run, it's not necessarily like the, the be all end all. Uh, Jim's email continues. Related question. The Canova training episode, uh, with our sweat elite training episode, which uh, included information on Renato Canova, points to the best distance runner doing a lot of threshold sessions. For an intermediate age group triathlete focused on sprint triathlon, that would seem to point to short threshold effort runs multiple times per week versus easy runs. Uh, your podcast is fantastic. I have listened to every episode since I found it in early spring, spring, and I use your training plans. They're also fantastic with a good structure overall and workouts that are effective and easy to execute. So obviously I couldn't leave out those last two parts. Uh, but the question here, and thanks for that, Jim, I really appreciate it. The question here is uh, whether you should be doing more threshold sessions, potentially quite short, as you mentioned. Uh, did you mention short? Uh, no, you just mentioned, yes, uh, points to short threshold effort runs multiple times per week versus easy runs. Uh, so um, I don't know, uh, not not exactly. Uh, I will say to start off, I tend to agree with a whole lot of what was say, said in that Sweat Elite podcast. I think that is a, fan, a really valuable podcast that you should listen to again and again because it contains a lot of really great information. And uh, I think a lot of it applies really well to age groupers and age group triathletes as well. But uh, I do think that you misinterpret it slightly. The emphasis isn't so much on frequency of those threshold runs or even tempo runs, it's on the duration of them. And uh, the the focus there was that they do really, really long tempo runs. And yes, they do frequent ones as well. They do a lot of them, many, in terms of the frequency, possibly three of them per week, even four per week, if you count some of those progression runs. But in a 200 plus kilometer running week, and with their unique abilities as athletes, it is sort of understandable that they can do it. But for you doing three to four runs per week, the emphasis shouldn't be on how often you do them, but how well you do them when you do them. And I think this is uh, quite a common mistake that a lot of triathletes and runners fall into, uh, which is to run 
their tempo pace too hard. So it's basically at threshold and not below threshold. And that means that they can't accumulate enough duration there. So the work ends up being too short. You should be able to accumulate 50 to 60 minutes of tempo in one single session. Not necessarily right away, but once you've built up to it. And that's why I emphasized in the previous uh, points or answers to your questions that you're not looking to improve pace over that period, but duration at the pace. And that is uh, sort of the definition of strength when we talk about improving your strength. Uh, So I think there is really good evidence, both anecdotal and scientific, that you do come up to a point of diminishing return very quickly when you add more frequent intensity work to your schedule then and two hard runs per week is plenty as i said i recommend for you for your number of runs to do three hard runs over two weeks if you were doing five runs per week sure two hard runs per week would be fine i think especially if you're a runner and not a triathlete as a triathlete it depends a bit on what you do in the other disciplines but uh, but for you uh, three runs per week as a triathlete 1.5 hard runs per week is plenty it will be more than enough to improve your run uh, because over a long trading year, that will be very sustainable and it will lead to you being able to do really good quality when you do those sessions and that will lead to those long-term improvements. So thanks again for your question, Jim. I really hope that this helps you. The next question is from Bertrand in Belgium who writes, Hi Michael, quick question. What would you suggest as a good brick workout format to specifically reduce the gap between my open running times and my in-triathlon running times? Thanks in advance, Bertrand. Okay, so this is a great question, and it's uh, one that I've covered before, I think, and uh, but it's well worth covering again. So first off, pacing on the bike and bike fitness are super important. If you don't have good bike fitness, you will see a bigger difference between your open run times and your triathlon run times. So quite surprisingly, often it is a focus on the bike that actually leads to better triathlon running. But equally, no matter how fit you are, even if you're Jan Ferdino, if you go completely all out and smash yourself on the bike, you will have a bigger difference between your open run times and your triathlon run times. And don't get me wrong here, a sprint or Olympic distance triathlon in particular, they are hard, intense affairs, but there should be a little something left in the tank if you want to really run well, really run to your potential. And you will probably gain more on the run because of that than what you would gain by using up those last few percentage points on the bike second in particular for long distance for half and full distance triathlon nutrition and hydration are really key but we won't cover that here we have done it plenty of times before but just to mention that that's also something to consider and uh, assuming that your bike fitness and your bike pacing and your nutrition and hydration are all right then i would suggest that the following pieces of advice might help you reduce the the times between your open run times and your uh, triathlon run times. And I think actually, maybe surprisingly, that the brick workout is not the first priority. Instead, the first priority is that strength-building tempo run on hilly terrain that I just talked about in the previous question. I, I think that that is a really key component of, uh, of strength. And uh, for a triathlete, strength as a runner is much more important than speed. The question is really, how little can you slow down when you're already in a pre-fatigued state? We, we don't need to care about how, we don't care about how fast you, you can run your fresh 400s on the track all out. If you can't do a four times 12 minute tempo run on hilly terrain and do the last rep with as high quality as the first rep. 
And this goes even if the focus is sprint distance triathlon. Because by the time you get to the run, you have 40 minutes or so of very hard work behind you. That's actually if you're quite fast. And uh, if you do a 4 by 12 minute tempo interval workout, you do the last interval after 36 minutes of hard work. Which is much closer to what you'll experience even in a sprint uh, let alone compared to an Olympic distance triathlon, which is really, really a lot about strength and not at all about speed. Uh, that being said, I'm absolutely a proponent of including faster intervals as well in your training, uh, but it should just be done smartly and correctly and not overemphasized. And those faster intervals actually are probably working more to the effect of increasing the distance between or the difference between your open run times because they might improve your open run times quite well but not as well with your work not work as well for your triathlon run times and because that's where those that strength work really comes into play so so that's why why i think that like emphasizing the strength work over the speed work is is the key here even for shorter distance triathlon what I mentioned there before about it, triathlon being about and triathlon running being about how little can you slow down when you're in a pre-fatigue state, or we can call it fatigue resistance. Uh, so that's, I consider fatigue resistance a major factor of your ability as a triathlete. And uh, there's one very general and simple change that we can make to, to improve our fatigue resistance, and that is training volume, both overall training volume, but also run training volume, if that's what we're focusing on. Simply put, if you go from 9 to 12 hours per training per week, for example, you most likely will do most of your workout being slightly more tired, slightly less recovered, and that will force you to adapt and teach your body to do even hard runs, whether it's track intervals or hilly tempo runs, on slightly more tired legs and do them on days when you don't feel super great. Okay, so that was a long discussion about fatigue resistance and uh, strength and their importance in triathlon running. But we do need to discuss that brick workout and the specificity aspect of it. And in particular, whether we should be doing hard brick workouts with race pace. And I think that yes, we should, but there's no need to overdo it. The reason I think that we shouldn't overdo it and uh, why I think that it's quite easy to overdo it is that uh, we can get a bigger run specific fatigue resistance stimulus with pure run workouts where you accumulate a lot of time at a fairly challenging pace like that hilly tempo run but when doing a brick workout with race pace for example you do get that but you wouldn't do as big a brick workout as you would do the pure running session so what i mean by that is that your total duration and intensity will be almost inevitably lower than what you would do in that pure run session so brick workouts they move a move towards adapting to race specificity versus building the engine uh, so if you're an astute listener you know that in general i think that while race specificity is important it's not as important as building the engine and more time should be devoted to building the engine compared to race specificity so in practice what i think that uh, you should do is to do a few key brick workouts and that might be three or four of them even two to four of them it really depends on on the athlete some of my athletes do very few key brick workouts because i know that they have the capacity to run well off the bike already they don't need more than a couple of reminders to do that uh, but you do two to four key brick workouts in the lead up to race that include race intensity that's a good amount that's uh, not overdoing it whereas uh, doing them almost every week of the year from january through the start of your race season and through your racing season that would be overdoing it and you wouldn't get the bang for buck that you uh, that you would 
for the that you would deserve for the work that you put in so so that's my recommendation and as for how to do it let's take an olympic distance triathlon as an example Uh, you would do these brick workouts you would do a hard race specific bike and then a brick run with uh, again hard work so and usually race intensity the bike might be something like five times ten minutes at olympic distance race pace with three minute recoveries as an example uh, trying to accumulate quite almost the race duration in race at race specific intensities so if you do the the bike in one hour then you might do 40 to 50 minutes of race pace work uh, then uh, you the run itself you would build that up so let's say you do do four race specific brick workouts in in the lead up the first one might be simply two times six minutes at race intensity with two minutes recovery or even one minute recovery and then you just increase by one interval per week so three by six minutes four by six minutes and five by six minutes and five by six minutes let's say you run a 40 minute uh, off the bike that's four minutes per kilometer so in six minutes you do a kilometer and a half that five by six minutes is five by a kilometer and a half which is seven and a half kilometers so that's almost again going up to the race distance in race pace and uh, you don't need to go all the way up to race the race distance because the risk is that you are leaving your your race out on the training ground so so that's not what you want to do but you do want to to build up towards that and be somewhere in somewhere in the ballpark that's an, a good example for the olympic distance for half and full distance there will be bigger differences obviously between the workout time at race pace and race time at race pace so even if you are doing if you're doing a half distance for example and you will run in around an hour and a half you wouldn't be doing i would say at most an hour at race pace off the bike uh, in total i mean they would definitely be split up into intervals as well but but no more than than an hour is is necessary in my opinion and that that is definitely a, a hard workout so so that's I, very few of my athletes I, i would say do that type of that much running hard running off the bike leading up to a half distance race one final piece of advice for reducing the delta between your open and triathlon run times is strength training there is uh, good evidence that strength training helps efficiency and economy in the latter part of longer workouts and to my knowledge uh, these studies have been done in cycling only so for example cycling during the third hour at submaximal intensity is more efficient if you are doing strength training versus if you're not and we don't really know scientifically if the same applies to running off the bike uh, and it probably is such a niche question that it might never be studied scientifically but i think the cycling studies do give us a clue that this might be a possibility that is uh, that is occurring and when combined with uh, what i think i think i see anecdotally in athletes in my opinion even if we don't know the exact mechanism and we don't know whether it is absolutely true scientifically speaking i think the strength training does help you run strong off stronger off the bike and uh, here we're definitely talking about as I, we talked about in the previous question you don't go right into the gym and do heavy weights the first session but uh, you need to have that period of heavy lifting high weight low reps there should be a significant portion of strength training uh, that is dedicated to that type of strength training and that is sort of like the the secret sauce that's the kind of strength training that has been that is used in these strength training studies for endurance athletes to see whether there are uh, improvements in things like economy and efficiency at submaximal intensities later on in workouts uh, 
And we discussed that in plenty of other podcasts. I'll link to, to one of them in the episode description. I'll also link to the other episodes that I mentioned, the Sweat Elite one and the, the Base Training one, so that you can check all of those out. But I hope that this helps, Bertrand, and uh, that's it for today's Q&A. I hope you enjoyed it. Tune in again on Monday when I interview Pete McGill, or actually I have done that, so that was done pre-sickness, so my voice is more normal than it is today. And that is another run-focused episode and definitely highly relevant for today's Q&A. So if you enjoyed today, you will definitely enjoy the talk with Pete. Uh, he is super knowledgeable. It was a real pleasure to talk with him and, and learn more about his thoughts on running. So stay tuned for that. Subscribe if you aren't already and keep sending in your questions for Q&As to michael at scientifictriathlon.com and it's Michael with a K. Big thanks to our sponsor, Precision Hydration, that you can find on precisionhydration.com. You can get your first box or tube for free with the promo code That's Triathlon Show, all one word, all caps. And thank you to Roca for sponsoring That Triathlon Show. They are world leaders in wetsuits, trisuits, swimskins, goggles, and high-performance eyewear. And you can get 20% off your order with the promo code TTS, all caps. Thank you, as always, for listening. Keep training smart and keep loving triathlon.